In the far northeast of Canada lies the sprawling territory of Nunavut, a sparsely populated area of over 2 million kilometers squared. To give you some perspective, the UK is just over 242,000 kilometers squared. The territory comprises of islands that extend to the very northern tips of the planet, and it's one of the only regions in North America not accessible by highway. The inaccessibility and remoteness of Nunavut has allowed it to become the location of some of the enduring mysteries that continue to grasp our collective imagination. Today, we are traveling to northern Canada to join a generation of explorers as we search for the Northwest Passage. All right, everyone. So, hi. If you're watching on YouTube, you just saw me do a dramatic reading, which is kind of fun. Um, <laughs> and we decided to come back to YouTube after last week. So yeah, which was if you watched that, thank you so much. Um, mm-hmm. If you didn't, it's okay because it was a slight fiasco, just yeah. a little bit. We did end up recording it twice. Yeah, and then the audio corrupted at the end, and it was it was it was learning experience. So yeah, definitely. So we're hoping we work some of those bugs out. Hopefully, the mm-hmm. camera quality is a little bit better. We're still working out how to get the audio quality as high on the video as yeah. it is audio wise. So, but big updates is there's currently a camera making its way across the Atlantic Ocean. So. Yeah, just like the people we're going to talk about today, it's <laughs> yeah. making its way across oh, the Atlantic. That's so good. Actually. How fitting. So, yeah, there's recently been a lot of talk about some exploration in the Arctic, but also in the Antarctic. So recently in the Antarctic, they found um, a ship called Endurance as part of the Shackleton Expedition, which is a totally different thing, but that's kind of what got me in the mindset of wanting to look at this. So it's really interesting that it's only recently that we're able to find these lost ships because sonar's finally gotten us to a point where we can find them when they're like buried underneath Arctic ice, which is really interesting. So is it worth just saying like what the Northwest Passage is. Yes, yes, that is, that is look at you, that is an Oh my part. gosh, almost like I knew the script. Almost like Claire's seen it before. <laughs> yeah, so the, most of you have probably heard of the search for the Northwest Passage. It's kind of, kind of something that I feel like comes up, but just to lay down a few facts about it, um, the search for the Northwest Passage was motivated by a few factors, but primarily the financial and prestige implications for finding it. Um, Prior to finding the passage and then the subsequent building of the Panama Canal much later, if merchant ships wanted to access Asia, it was extremely expensive in terms of both money and time. So first of all, any empire that found the Northwest Passage and then got to control it, that was going to be because everyone was going to want to use it if they were able to Mm. tax that route or if they were able to monitor the route, that would be really, really good for them. and also, people just wanted to find it. It was really hard to get around the world at this point. And yeah. having a Northwest Passage was something people really wanted. And everyone was convinced it existed. So with hindsight, we know it kind of exists. It's only open for a few months. It's not at all what they imagined it. People thought it was like this very clear, nice path through the Arctic. Yeah, which and it's it, actually super dangerous, right? Yeah, it doesn't yeah. exist. Um, I mean, they built the pa- Panama Canal for a reason. It wasn't really <laughs> feasible to go through the Arctic. Um, for m- many months, and then it's just dangerous and slow. You have to have like yeah. icebreaker ships with you. Oh my gosh! But at the time, everyone thought North America is so big. We're still finding more of it. Surely, there's a way through this continent. There must be. Mm-hmm. There's not, but 
Another really, really interested party was the Hudson's Bay Company. Um, the Hudson's Bay Company is, the, I think, one of the oldest companies in North America now. If you're Canadian, you're familiar with Hudson's Bay. It's still around. Um, it's a department store that sells lots of stuff. It's called, I think it was called the Bay when I was little. It's now gone back to Hudson's Bay for whatever reason. Okay. But it was competing with American-run companies that were similar. These are like the fur trading companies, so they really wanted Got to it. find it for yeah. the British um, and have that prestige. So um, also an important motivating factor for like the actual people who chose to go on these expeditions, not kind of from the perspective of empire, was that at the time going on an Arctic expedition was, I've seen it, you know, in a lot of videos where people say it's like today's astronauts, like people thought they were insane to be doing this. Yeah. And it was really dangerous. It was like, I think way more fatal than being an astronaut is like the likelihood of you going to the Arctic and not coming back. Yeah. From all my reading, it seems pretty high. Like, there's a pretty good chance. And you're also gone for years. Like, these days are long, long expeditions. Um, But, uh, yeah, a lot of people were attracted to this idea of being the first in this unknown and dangerous territory. Also, quote-unquote, first. There's a lot of Inuit people in this story who they just flat-out ignore multiple times. Classic. Um, Who it's like, if you just listen to them... (laughs) They they might know something. They might kind of... (laughs) know how to live up here but no they didn't want to listen to them mm-hmm. classic so they thought they were the quote-unquote first um yeah and also if the people did come back they often became celebrities and even when they were gone newspapers would be like reporting on them and um mm. interviewing their loved ones maybe kind of fictionalizing the story like if you came back and you'd actually done it you were kind of a lifelong celebrity so there was a lot of wow. so are there, for people doing this are there any names that we would know today of like big big like famous people that did this well if you look at some of the early explorers actually the hudson's bay company is named after henry hudson he was looking for a northwest passage he ended up in hudson's bay if you're watching online i'll throw up a a picture of hudson's bay (laughs) you're definitely familiar it's like the giant bay in the middle of canada that comes from the ocean he got stuck in there looking for a way out there's not not really a way out other than the way he came in um so it's called hudson's bay Today we're talking about the Franklin Expedition, which is probably one of the most famous okay. of them all. Um, and then there's a lot of earlier ones too. Like, But a lot of those people, as they were looking for the Northwest Passage, just found North America instead. Mm. Um, so yeah, the history of exploration is really, really interesting. But I wanted to focus on Arctic exploration because it's just so interesting to me. It's crazy. So, mm. And this was in the grand scheme of things semi-recently. So today we're going to be talking about the Franklin Expedition. It's probably the most famous in Arctic exploration, I'd say, just because it's a giant mystery. Mm-hmm. So... Oh, I love the sound of it yeah. already. Yeah. And some basic facts. In 1845, two ships, the HMS Erebus and Terror, um, were sent to learn more about the Northwest Passage and how to navigate it. So at this point, there'd been some expeditions north. There were still lots of unknowns. It wasn't mapped super well or charted. They weren't... They were starting to really suspect that there was probably a way through. Like, they kind of clued into the fact, okay, maybe there's not some giant clear path through, but there probably is some way, which is true. Mm. Um, and so the Franklin Expedition was sent to just continue to investigate and, you know, even if they didn't find it, to help chart the north of Canada a little bit more. Mm-hmm. At the time, a man named Sir John Barrow was captain of the Admiralty, and he'd been pushing for England to find the Northwest Passage and... Many expeditions had come along and not find anything, but he had become closer and closer to, he felt that, sorry, he felt they were getting closer and closer to finding it, because while he'd sent out expeditions that come back 
technically not finding anything. They're all going kind of farther and finding more, so mm. he felt he was so close to it. Do you know what this is making me think of? Like the pot of gold at the end of a rainbow? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like people searching for something that isn't there. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And so he's 82 at this point, nearing the end of his career. I can't believe he's still working, actually. Yeah. And he did not want to retire until he found it. He was like, I've put in all the work for mm. all these other expeditions. I don't want someone to, you know, take my place and then they get all the, the glory for this. So... There's also a suggestion that he might have believed, there's a common belief at the time that there was an ice-free Arctic sea around the North Pole because some people believe that seawater couldn't melt, so therefore it must be fresh water up there, and there was like a sea, which in hindsight makes like no, even when I was reading that, I was like, what? Why would they think that? Wouldn't they just free, like... So it's like they didn't believe that salt, like that sea ice could melt. Yeah, so they're like, oh, there okay. must be a freshwater sea up there because yeah. icebergs are made of fresh water. They must be coming from like somewhere, right? Right, yeah. Um, which kind of makes sense, but the whole making that leap too that there's a freshwater sea up there. Mm. That is so fun. Yeah, but can you imagine? Like, that'd be also, you have, I have to imagine part of it's motivated by can you imagine how convenient that would be? Oh my gosh. Like, all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's this beautiful clear path like all our problems are solved there's once you get through like all these islands literally everywhere mm-hmm. then it's just clear clear sailing haha <laughs> um but yeah we know that's not the case we don't actually know if he believed that that was just kind of a belief at the time yeah. he might have fully not believed that mm-hmm. um so he decides he wants this final expedition to happen Franklin, who ended up leading the expedition, was actually his third choice, as his first two choices turned it down um, after deciding they were done with Arctic expeditions. Understandably. Yeah. It's also really interesting that a man who did go on the expedition named Francis Crozier, or Crozier, I'm not totally sure, um, probably was the best man for the job, but they decided he couldn't be um, the head of the expedition because he was Irish. (gasps) No way. (laughs) Yeah, they were like, no. Wow. So I think he was, like, second in command on okay. underneath Franklin. But well, I'm glad he still went on the ship, at least. Yeah, but, but can you imagine? It's like he had a... I was looking, he had a pretty good track record, and he obviously was passionate about it. They oh were like, gosh. you're Irish. So you get out. You can't... I was imagine a- an Irish person finds the Northwest ta- Territory. Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> That's actually terrible. Oh, gosh. So really, some more on why Franklin was the third choice. Um... He was kind of known for going into really dangerous situations without knowing what the outcome would be. Sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. And for him, it had not been great. He had an, an expedition where he had an encounter with the Inuit. So if you're not familiar, the Inuit is kind of the group of indigenous people who live in northern Canada and have lived there for thousands of years. Um, and he kind of subsequently convinced the British that the Inuit were a threat to their expedition. Right. When in reality, yeah, the Inuit are the only group of people who have lived successfully and survived in these kind of conditions. They're not really the type of people you want as your, like, enemies. And they yeah. also, as far as I can tell, weren't that interested in being the enemies of these people. They, they thought they were crazy. Yeah, of course. They were like, why are you doing this? Or they'd see them going off into the ice, like, in the middle of the winter, and they'd be like, don't do that nothing is gonna (laughs) good is gonna come of that you just need to wait till it melts in the summer yeah and the british people were like no we know better than you there's a salt there's a freshwater sea up there did you know and you were like oh my god these people are (laughs) but 
yeah, so just a little bit more on the ships though. Um, so they'd actually already gone on an expedition. So again, the Erebus and the Terror, they'd already gone one, on one under James Clark Ross. And Cozier had been on that one as well. He commanded the Terror and he was a commander again on this expedition. So kind of interestingly, these ships were super heavy because they were propelled by steam engines converted from locomotives. That's how they were being oh propelled gosh. at the time, which was a really kind of innovative thing to do. There was also steam mm. heating and heavily reinforced bows to kind of go through the ice. But unfortunately, this ended up probably impeding them because the ships were so empty. They Not empty, heavy. They got stuck oh, really, really right. easily. Like, I'm pretty sure the, the ships they send up there now are weather-reinforced to rush through the ice. They're not that heavy. Yeah, okay. They get stuck. So the ships were like tip-top technology, kind of, but they ended up... But we can, we're talking about the 1800s, aren't we? So yeah, like, it's like the 1840s. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really cool, though, that it had steam heating. That's like, that was apparently a super big deal, because obviously you can imagine it's cold up there. Yeah. Even in the summer, um, there's, all, there's ice, especially before, like, global warming really started taking hold. Mm. It was... Chilly. W- really cold, and also really ice, like, there's a lot more ice, I think. Or not, I think. You've, you've all seen the little, those are really sad, like... Photos of like the polar ice pack melting. Yeah. So it's not good. So the expedition leaves on May 19th, 1845, which is, it's almost May 19th right now. Oh my gosh, I was going to say. Works out super well. When this goes out, it'll be even closer to May 19th probably. Or it might be past May 19th. Right now, right now it's May 17th. And I think this comes out. I don't know. In a bit. In a bit. But (laughs) May 19th will have passed and I hope you, no, I hope you celebrate it. (laughs) How dare you not know about this? So we generally know about the travels across the ocean. There are other ships that saw them. Um, but once they entered the Arctic, the last ship to see them was a whaling ship. And then they, that was the last time they were ever saw, seen. Oh my God. Last time they were ever seen by, okay. by white people, at least. Because yeah. there's a very good chance Inuit people saw them. But people, of course, don't want to believe them. They're like, yeah. especially, I mean, we'll get into it. But people, a lot of people didn't really want to believe they were dead. And the Inuit were like, oh, yeah, okay. they are dead. They're, they have definitely died. And people were like, you have no idea what you're talking about. Like, you know. So frustrating, isn't it? Yeah, but I also think that they probably didn't want to believe that their loved ones were, were dead. We're going to talk about Lady Franklin a little bit um, in a while, who's um, Franklin's wife, who mm. really, really did not want to believe that her husband had died. So, yeah, we see them. The rest of it, we've kind of had to piece together. This is a really interesting mystery because they actually left a note that we didn't discover till 11 years later. Oh. But as far as we can tell, they spent the first winter on Beachy Island and their three men died and were buried. I mean, a lot of people died on these expeditions. There's a lot of mm. illnesses going around. That's a lot yeah. of people in a small space. And I'm not going to put them up, but if you want to go online, you can see like their corpses are really well preserved because oh, it yeah. was in the mm. ice. Like I, I won't put up the picture because it is like, kind of creepy but yeah it's like you know when people climb everest they literally have to step over dead bodies yeah because they're, like, they're just so preserved in the ice yeah so these are bodies oh. from like the 1840s that we still are can like you can see you can them. see their faces like their facial yeah, expressions wow. they have skin it's crazy um so that's how we know that they were there and i think they've recently started to identify who those people were based mm. on like one of them had a gold teeth tooth plug and just like little elements that we knew about them some people have creepy jobs imagine doing yeah, that yeah i know gross not not for me not for me so kind of what's infamous about the story it's called the victory point note it's found 11 years later in crozier's i can never say this word like karn karen 
It's like this okay. giant mound they built. Up. Oh yeah, Cairns, like at the top yeah. of the mountain. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like so, they built one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's really the only harvest evidence we have. So there's two parts of the note from a year apart. The first part is written um, in 1847, um, and it just says the boat had wintered and that all was well. The second half is things have taken a turn for the worst. Mm. They say Franklin has died on the 11th June of 1847. The total losses at that point amounted to nine officers and 15 men, and that they had to desert the ships on the 22nd of April after being stuck in ice since September 1846. Oh, my goodness. There's 105 of them left at this point. And this is found on King William Island at the time. I'll I'll throw up a picture of King William Island, but if you want to look to see um, where it is. So they've had to abandon the ships. The ships are so stuck. It's also of note that um, they found, like, all these... Like, they brought canned food with them. First of all, there were some big problems with the cans. They they kind of gave the contract to the lowest bidder, and we know, now know that they did, like, a really bad job of, like, mm. canning them and tinning them. So probably um. some of the food went bad, which wasn't meant to. But it's really interesting. They can they found on King William Island and um, in the surrounding areas, like, these really, like, these, the, ca- the tins. Oh, wow. That they've, like, like, eaten stuff out of that are empty that they just, I guess, like, what else were they going to do with them? That they just... Threw them. Threw them on the ice. Yeah. They're still there. Oh. And they found them. It's really cool. This is... It must be haunting to go there. Yeah. So, so weird. The guest that we have coming on for this episode works. There's a polar research museum here in Cambridge where we film. And they have, I think, some items from... I don't know if they have any items from the Franklin Expedition, but they do have items from um, various Arctic exploration That's expeditions. Really cool. So it's going to be really cool to talk to him. Yeah. And he said he's going to, like, highlight some items for us. So we'll definitely tell you guys about those when we know so that's really exciting that Mm. we have that so meanwhile we know all this is going on in hindsight back at home they don't know this is going on obviously the first two years no one's really that worried it's i mean there's no way that you're going to hear from them that's kind of expected that they'd emerge in two or three years yeah um suddenly this is becoming less and less likely so jane who was lady franklin at the time she's um lord franklin's second wife she was becoming very worried about her husband, but she was very convinced he was still alive. So she starts really, really pushing um, for more expeditions to find them. She starts really pressuring the Admiralty and making kind of pleas in public that there needs to be more expeditions. So the Admiralty mm-hmm. comes up with what they called their three-pronged plan. So they sent two overland rescue parties and, or wait, one overland rescue party and two sea expeditions, sorry. One entered from the Atlantic side and one entered from the Pacific side and they're going to look for them. Right. And it's during the Ray Richardson overland expeditions that Inuit peoples told them that they saw a band of 35 to 40 white men who had died of starvation near the mouth of the Black River. They also then showed them objects that they had that were then identified as belonging to them, like forks and knives and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually really interesting. During this, there's pages and pages and pages of Inuit testimony of okay. them talking about some of the men, of them talking about their experiences with them. And recently, um, a historian named David C. Wolfman has written two books based off of like years of research going through these testimonies it's really really interesting Mm. i wish we could include more of it but it's like you kind of have to there's a lot of moving parts to it but i highly would recommend checking that out if that's something you're interested in because like i said like the inuit were telling them that they were you know perished and they did generally believe them especially when they showed them the objects but they're very untrusting of the inuit people i mean franklin himself had convinced them that they were hostile 
Of course. So, yeah. of course, people were thinking maybe they killed them. There's also a lot of rumors of cannibalism among Franklin's crew, actually. Okay. Um, and the Inuit kind of seemed to insinuate that that was something that they think happened. But it's... Yeah, you really need to go read that. Yeah, read you kind papers. of wouldn't want to believe that, yeah. would you? Yeah. yeah. And also, this is, like, horrendously ignorant of me, but surely there was a language barrier there. Yeah, no, there totally would have been. Yeah. There probably would have been some Inuit people at that point who spoke English because a lot of them were involved with the Hudson's Bay Company with trading. Uh, okay. Yeah. By that point, they were becoming more and more reliant on British people because their like normal way of life was being slowly destroyed. So they all of a sudden they needed to be going down and trading with yeah. people a lot more and whatnot. Um, and you know, culture is really really interesting. If that's something at all you're interested in, but yeah, it's really, really. I mean, it's really sad what's happened to all Indigenous groups in Canada. But the Inuit. Yeah, there was, like, mass starvation and stuff because essentially all their food source was taken away by fur traders and stuff. So by this point, yeah. I imagine some of them probably semi-spoke English. Okay. Um, they yeah. would have had to just at least a little bit to, if they were trading with people. But, yeah, they wouldn't, it wouldn't probably be some really, you know... It's not going to be particularly well, like, articulated. Yeah, or, and also, yeah. like, I feel like the Inuit probably didn't feel that bad for them. They were probably, like... Yeah, they're morons. We tried to warn them. Yeah, we tried to warn them. They didn't do anything. And also, like, they couldn't really help them at the end of the day. They, you know, there's, like, 50 of them. Like, what are they going to do with 50 people? Yeah. Like, you know. And also, I mean, well, depending on, obviously, at this point, they said there was 50, but they started out with a lot more than 50. Yeah, like, that second letter, there was 105, but that had already been after losing some, so... Yeah, huge numbers of people. Yeah. Yeah. There seems to be online, like, some people who are, like, angry with the Inuits for not helping them, but it's like, we don't really know what happened. Maybe they didn't want help. Yeah. I mean, it seems like some of them they found after they passed away. Um, And also, like, yeah, the Inuit weren't up there looking for them. And also, it's so big up there. Yeah. Like, it's possible they only saw them once, and then... Mm. And also, because it's so sort of, like open and yeah just like fast yeah like you might be able to see them but they might be so far away yeah so it's kind of yeah i don't think that's a really fair to yeah (laughs) to blame them yeah so britain officially declared the crew deceased in 1854 um just you know almost 10 years had passed at this point Mm -hmm. you are starting to get reports from inuits that they're like inuit people that they are dead and eventually the british government's like yeah they, they probably are Meanwhile, though, Lady Franklin does not believe this. She believes, okay, like, you know, maybe her husband did have to abandon ship, blah, blah, blah. But I want to find them. She's really feeling Mm -hmm. passionate about wanting to find them. So really interestingly, she launches an expedition by herself. It's paid for by public subscription. Wow. In 1853. So she's, I mean, she's a really interesting person in terms of, like, using the media and whatnot to try and Mm -hmm. drum up attention about this and like finding her husband um and it was actually this expedition that found the note so it was an expedition that she you know she didn't necessarily pay for it herself but that she made happen that that was on Mm -hmm. the expedition that they found the victory point note that is so so important so these three there were like three sort of rescue expeditions almost Mm -hmm. do we know how successful or otherwise they were like did they so that first the one that's overland is the one that takes all the testimony from the um, from the Inuit, so that's probably the okay. most successful of them because they actually got information. Yeah. As far as I'm aware, the Atlantic and Pacific ones didn't, I mean, they didn't find them. The ships yeah. actually weren't found until 2014 and 2017, like wow. really, really recently they found them. Oh my gosh. For a while, there was a rumor floating around that people had, 
like seen them like there was there was some other expeditions that saw some like abandoned ships off in the distance and they thought oh that might be them for a long time there was speculation it could be but since they found the ships they realized that that wasn't the case because they were in the wrong spot and what and they yeah. were probably just abandoned abandoned i said that in a very strange way um whaling ships or other ships from other expeditions mm. but it likely was not them just because of where they were but before they found them that kind of added to the mystery. Like, why was there these abandoned ships? And was it the Franklin Expedition? I'd love to ask our expert as well. Like, when when you do abandon ship, like, what on earth happens at that point? Because where do you think you're going to go and what you can do? Yeah, I have to imagine that they just were like, let's go south. Um, because yeah. there's more and more settlement as you go south. But they're so up north. And northern Canada is so incredibly big. Yeah, It's kind of unfathomable how actually large it is. Um like where I'm from, I'm from one of the provinces that sits directly below Nunavut. Mm-hmm. And like, I've never been to the north of the province that I'm from. It's hours and hours away. Like I've right. never been up there, How which is crazy. Okay. And yeah. then Nunavut sits on top of it and it's even bigger. Mm. It's massive. It's yeah, like, you know, and they probably were walking for months and, you know, we see them at the mouth of the Black River. And if you actually like look at how long of a distance that is it's actually in the grand scheme of things not very far you feel so bad for them they've been walking for so long but yeah they just were not getting that far so they found the ships have they found everyone's bodies like do we know what happened to franklin or they have found some buried bodies and whatnot i mean a lot of them they just haven't found i mean we have that note saying that franklin died um, oh yeah on the victory point note they say he died on the 11th of june they found a lot of bodies. They have not. They haven't found them all though. There's probably some still out there, somewhere. There's also rumors. Um, this is kind of one that's just more like, oh, this is a rumor, that some of them like married Inuit women or at least had children with them because Aww. for a long time there'd be rumors of people seeing Inuit people with blue eyes and things like that. So people thought, oh, maybe some of the. But I think also people are really attracted to that like kind of myth that like oh yeah they survived and they integrated and now there's yeah their descendants are among the people and stuff it Which, doesn't quite match with the notions of like considering the inuits as very hostile and just like ignoring them and stuff yeah like, like it, it, it seems a bit of a backward move it could have been true but mm, also in these yeah. hundreds of pages of inuit testimony i feel like that would come up somewhere yeah. like oh by the way two of them made their way here and <laughs> had children with some people and here are the kids here they are yeah like, I, feel like that I feel like that might have come up but mm. yeah as of 2017 now they've both been found so it's been that's been really exciting for people who are interested in ex- arctic exploration and whatnot and interestingly a lot of what i was reading was saying that actually the search for the franklin expedition was when a lot of the mapping of northern Canada happened, like the maps got so much more accurate from that. And it was actually around this time that they did find the Northwest Passage, which is really just this like, it's like, like, it's not clear. Yeah. At all. It's not like some... It's not like a motorway, is it? Yeah, which is what everyone wanted, but it's not, unfortunately. Um, So actually, at the end of the day, it was very important for Arctic exploration generally because Mm. because quite a few people went after them. And in the meantime, they ended up charting and mapping a lot of northern Canada, which is really interesting. Amazing, yeah. Which is really interesting. And still to this day, like, a lot of people aren't up there because it's just, it's still dangerous. It's still not very convenient to go through that way, obviously. Um, 
They built the Panama Canal for a reason. That's a much, much, much easier way yeah. <laughs> um, to get through. I mean, it's kind of sad. Um, I was reading that because of global warming, it might there might be an actual Northwest Passage yeah. one day, which is... Yeah, yeah. And there was also talks, like, a few years ago, I think, um, of Russia wanted to just, like, build it, basically. They just wanted to go through and kind of, like, melt the ice and, yeah. and just make, like, a passage for themselves. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's really interesting that up in the Arctic, it's a really contested area. Like, a lot of, like, Canada claims it as Canadian mm. waters, but a lot of other countries say it's international waters. So yeah. it still causes issues to this day that it was kind of causing for a while. Yeah. Lots of exciting things to talk about yeah. with our guests. And what's interesting about this is obviously we talk about, you know, conspiracy theories or sometimes they're not quite conspiracy theories, but this one is just more of a mystery. Yeah. It's like no one really knows what happened. We have a lot more evidence and proof than we did at one point. But, you know, the only hard evidence we have are some of the bodies... Some of the things they left behind, I believe there was like some lifeboats and stuff that were found too. Uh-huh. Obviously, some of the the items that the Inuit said that they had, that the that the Overland Party identified as probably having belonging to them. And then we have the Victory Point note, which is the only thing we have from the actual expedition that they've mm-hmm. you know written, being like we're leaving the ship on this date. Yeah. Wow. So there's still a lot of. I mean, unfortunately, probably what happened is they all just died. Or ate each other first. Yeah, or in a horrible way. Yeah. But it's people, I think, are really drawn to, like, speculating about what really happened. And And I'm surprised, actually, that we haven't got some more wacky theories about this. Like, it seems that people with conspiracy theories love getting Oh, well, naturally, some people think they were abducted by aliens. Oh, there we go. There we go. I knew it was coming. (laughs) That that naturally is one of them. Like, (laughs) yeah. So kind of the big ones are... I mean, I think a lot of people at this point accept that they probably just uh, did die. It's kind yeah. of hard to argue your way at, around that. Uh, the other popular one is that some of them survived and ended up integrating in, in with the, the Inuit Inuits. population yeah. because we do have these reports of blue-eyed Inuits. Whether that's true or whether that has anything to do with the Franklin expedition at all is totally, un- we don't know. Yeah. Um, but people like to speculate on that one. And then, of course, there's the one that they, especially when they hadn't found the ship, some people thought maybe they like swept down and just took the whole ship. They, wow. They just abducted everyone. Cool. But it's also hard because we know that they, we have, like, pretty hard evidence that they left the ship, at least. Yeah, definitely. So. I, I don't think we're feasibly considering an alien abduction. No, yet. especially in this one, because there's so much. There's so much proof. There's so much yeah. proof for other things. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed that one. And my kind of, like geography brain was um was definitely engaging with that yeah. i enjoyed that a lot if you're li- if you're um listening right now obviously you won't be able to see some of the pictures that we were mentioning but if you're watching on youtube we'll throw up some pictures of course and maybe on our instagram we'll throw up some photos um if you don't follow us on instagram or on twitter you should we're doing a giveaway right now if you subscribe to our youtube channel yeah you'll be entered to the giveaway we're giving away 20 pounds to uber eats to whatever country you're from Mm-mm. i also actually really quickly i wanted to give a shout out to all our listeners from north dakota you are our number one oh, wow. area of listeners from north dakota so amazing if you're from north dakota thank you that's so cool um how do you know these things well, because we can see, you know, uh-huh, it te- we can okay. like just, it does not tell us very specific information about yeah. you, don't worry. It just tells us the the region Where that you're from. Like it just, it literally just says the I state to, or the province. I need to delve deeper into some of these analytics. I and mean, yeah. yeah, North Dakota is our number one 
public audience. So fun. But we should also- we should we do like a trip there and like meet yeah, some of should. our fans? Hey. <laughs> we can like sign some t-shirts or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> amazing. I think we yeah, and if we also have some listeners from like Peru and Sweden, I think Trinidad and Tobago. So if that's you, also. That's super cool. Welcome. And to all of you as well, we appreciate all of you, not just if you're from North Dakota or Peru or Trinidad and Tobago. Um, we appreciate all of you so much for listening and continuing yeah. to listen and support us. Um, and uh, yeah. giving us a reason for us to just to have fun and nerd yeah, out a little bit as exactly. well. So. exactly. I'm actually in the process of writing my master's dissertation at the moment. Ooh. And this is like the most cathartic thing for me to do. And I yeah. need a break from doing that, getting to write a fun script, do some research about the Northwest Passage, which I've always been interested in, or about, and then talking to experts, getting to hang out with Claire, it's like, it's and a win-win. all of you, and all of you <laughs> cool. as well, so it's, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys, and um, speak to you next on Wednesday with our yeah, with expert. Our, with our expert. All right, goodbye, everybody.